the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mess It Up Podcast. I'm your host, the Bowtie Guy, and we are here again uh, for another show. I've got a really special guest coming up for you later that I will introduce in a bit. But right now, I just want to tell you a couple of things that you probably already know if you're a longtime listener. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. Here's what you need to know. We are all over the place on the internet. We love to be uh, you know, as social as we can. So we've got there, our place out there on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Reddit. Please find us on Reddit. It, it, uh, everything else is under Mess It Up Podcast. But if you look up Messed Up Ministries on Reddit, you'll find our subreddit and you can uh, join the conversation there. It's, uh, it's always more fun on social media when there's more people being social. So go out and find us on those things. Participate and join and all that kind of stuff. And um, it'll make it more fun for me. So I'm not just a lonely guy sitting in a lonely room with uh, no friends. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me by email, it's bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. If you want to uh, send me a text or, or shoot me a phone call, uh, we can chat at 760-608-1942. Um, and, uh, I love to hear from people who, uh, just, you know, pick something up off the show. If there's something you agree with, let me know so we can do more of it. If there's something you disagree with, let me know so we can either talk about it or do less of that. Uh, but, um, shoot me a text. Let me know how things are going in your neck of the woods. We are 100% listener supported here. It's almost like PBS with a little bit more excitement in our voices. And, uh, that means that we don't get any funding except for funding that uh, listeners send to us. So if you want to join our uh, Patreon group, uh, you can go to messituppodcast.com, click on the become a patron button, and you can uh, it'll take you to our Patreon platform. Patreon keeps about 8%, but the other 92% is tax deductible for you. If you want to do text to give where we get all of the money, it is uh, uh, real easy. Mum's the word. Text the word mum to 760-WALLS-CA. That's like Walls of California because we're going into those prisons and helping make a difference there. And uh, everything you give on our text to give is 100% tax deductible. So if you're looking for a nice tax deduction or you just want to help the ministry out or you've gotten some value out of this and you want to say thanks, those are your ways to help us out financially. So thank you to all who do. And um, for you who haven't yet, I, I challenge you to give it a try. Think about it, and um, if it's if it's for you, great. If it's not, you can cancel it anytime, no problem whatsoever. So um, I was trying to find a word this weekend. I don't know where this one came up. Uh, I think it might have come on one of my uh, crossword puzzle pages. They give me words to do, and the the word of the week this week is anti-godlin. And I was like, what on earth does that mean? I was not familiar with this word. Um, and it might be anti-godlin. I'm not sure. But it means it's lopsided or at an angle, like the desk was anti-godlin to the window and the person had a different view. So if you can use that word in your sentences this week, give yourself 10 bonus points every time you use it. And uh, maybe take a picture of the faces of the people you're using it with so they can, uh, I can see what their, their shock is at your wonderful vocabulary, because that one, I will admit, is, is one that's uh, a little bit tricky. So anti-godlin, anti-godlin, um, that's your word of the week. Go and uh, make friends with that one. All right, that's all of the top of the show. Right now, what I want to do is I want to introduce a guy. I have been wanting to get this guy on the show for 
like three years, like barely, we had barely started the show when I met this guy and I'd wanted to get him on. And it was like pretty much impossible to do because of the situation. But right now I want to welcome my friend Joshua to the show. Hello. Hello. Hey, Joshua. It is great to finally get you on the show. Um, and we'll get into the story of, of you more, but, but the story of us, Josh, Joshua is one of the first guys that I met working with uh, Celebrate Recovery Inside. And uh, we got to know each other. And uh, I finally, uh, you'll see a picture. If you go onto our, our Instagram, you can see a picture of me and Joshua. He is now a, a free man for a, almost a year now. Is it been? Yeah. Uh, February, February 9 will be, was, was a year. So. February 9 was a year. Okay. Okay. So over a year now uh, on the outs and uh, wearing any clothes he wants. How does that feel? Uh, I have a tendency to wear gray. I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you tend away from blue? Uh, yes, but somehow people give me blue stuff. It's weird. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I was, I've been trying to get, um, a show started called, um, mess it up on the inside and uh, do a show from the prison. And that has not happened yet. Um, so I'm glad that uh, Joshua is now out long enough that he is no longer, uh, a, a property of the state and so we can have all sorts of contact and whatnot so when i got a call from this guy and i was like what did you first thing he said was yeah uh somebody snuck me a phone and i was like ah oh, crud josh has gone off the deep end here he's he's, he's he's turned in his chips for uh for a life of crime inside but uh, he's like no I'm, I'm i'm free and i was like oh my gosh so super excited really glad to have you welcome again josh um we won't go too far into that part of things, but what I'd like you to do is just kind of give uh, us an idea of what what was your mess? What would, what did your life look like before you uh, um, got into trouble? But but you know, just give us an idea of, of young Josh. Um, you know, it's funny that you use that term, young Josh, because I look at the mistakes and messes I still make, and I said, "You're still acting like young Josh sometimes." Uh, but and, and I'm 54, brother, and I, and I'm. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I look at people that that are that are jaded and, and a couple of family members that I've, I've tried to you know reconnect with and help and, and share some of you know what we're basically doing here. And because they can't look at it like that, they they kind of stay in this negative space. So kind of always looking at yourself as young um, mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, I want to say kind of uh, is a reminder, you know, to come to the Lord, you know, as small children. And part of that is how you look at yourself, your own identity, right? God obviously looks at us, you know, that way. Um, and so the younger me um, was very much um, instant gratification um, into the things that um, had no longevity. There was, there was no substance to it, um, but I was always searching for it. Um, I grew up in, you know, a Christian home, but the, unfortunately the examples uh, that I had uh, didn't resonate with me until, you know, much later in life. Um, you say you grew up in a Christian home. Uh, so I grew up in, in what I would call a Christian home, but that's what it was. It was a Christian home. Uh, we were, we were Christian by tradition. Um, and, uh, but what we didn't practice anything. When we, we went to church on Sundays, we said a prayer before we ate food. Um, well, before we ate dinner, we didn't pray before lunch and breakfast because I guess those meals didn't count. Um, but we, you know, there's very little time where I can remember any sort of discussion of faith happening in the walls of my house. Um, what, what, what did your 
Christian upbringing look like? So mine was the complete opposite. So it was so existent that it was something that, um, and when you're, you know, you're, you're young and you're looking to obviously, like I was, you know, previously stated, uh, instant gratification. Uh, my mother was very, very, very strict. I wasn't allowed to listen to anything but Christian music, uh, Christian music and oldies. Um, and so I don't know <laughs> if I was born rebellious or that just made me more rebellious, but that just actually made me, made me want to seek the world out more because my mother was very anti-world. Was this modern, like current Christian music of the time, or was it like your mom's current? So maybe like, you know, Sandy Patty and, and Amy Grant. No, well, yeah. So we're going back to, so that's when I was a kid, maybe not Sandy Patty, but you know, the newsboys and DC talk and, right. okay. you know, yeah. that, that sort of thing. But you're um, listening to that at least not like, like for me, when I'm growing up, I'm in high school and I'm, people are trying to get me. I, I remember this itinerant youth pastor came in cause we'd get, we, I went to church on a Navy base. So they just hire a guy to handle youth stuff in the summer. And this guy came in from Georgia and he meant well, and he was trying to get me to stop listening to Ozzy and Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. And so he's like, I'll give you some Christian music to listen to instead of your, you know, those. And, and you know, who's going to go from, from Ozzy to Sandy Patty or, or, you know, Keith Green or something like that. It's like, you, I don't think you're catching the vibe of what I'm looking for in my music here, pal. Uh, so, but at least with Newsboys and that, it was, it was kind of like at that point, I remember, cause that was, you know, my kid's age, they're trying to, we've got a, a list. It's like, all right, if you listen to X that's secular, then listen to Y that's Christian. And, and they had these, you know, uh, people lining up like that. Um, so, so at least you didn't get the, I mean, it was hard to listen to Sandy Patty <laughs> when what you wanted to hear was some good old rock and roll. Uh, so did you enjoy it at all? Or did you not know any better? Or was it like, this is not what I want to hear? So I went back and forth. So my best friend growing up, um, he was like super into music, you know, follow the bands, had the t-shirts, um, uh, He's actually the one that started teaching me guitar. That's, that's where my, my guitar came from. And he always had better music. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I want to listen to that. You know, and a lot of my favorite songs still are, are secular songs, but, you know, I couldn't listen to them or I didn't even know who the band was. I just, you know, it was a, a burn CD that my buddy had or something. So right. um, I think it took Christian music a while to, to catch up to where, you know, like you were saying today, there's easily a direct correlation in almost any secular artist that you can find, you right. can find in, in Christian music. And were you in a public school setting, homeschool, private school? Public. Public school. Okay. So you had the exposure with the other people. It wasn't like you were in a complete cocoon. Yeah, but it was, you know, it's, it was different back then. It was, well, you couldn't bring a CD player to school. And if you had it out, you know, you couldn't, so it was like, you know, even at recess or whatever, you were doing other things or lunch break or, you know, depending on where you were. So it wasn't like today's like, Hey, here's your MP3 player. And here's, you know, 500 million songs. We were sitting there with a boom box on the playground in elementary school, <laughs> big old honking thing with, you know, 4d batteries and a cassette deck or a cassette tape, but batteries would die halfway through recess. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, and then you've got an interesting, your, your, uh, family background is also not just like, you know, straight middle-class white America. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, your parents, uh, ethnic backgrounds? 
Um, so my mother, uh, I don't think she knows what she is <laughs> <laughs> because it, they, so my mother, so my grandmother, my mom's side had six daughters. Um, and I think there's three different dads and they weren't never around or in the home. So they didn't really know their dad. So um, it would just be, we guess, a bunch of different whites, yeah. uh, you know, German, uh, Irish, you know, and so on. Um, and then on my dad's side, um, my dad is black and Jewish, right down the middle. And so that's it. That's presents an interesting dynamic then for. Uh, Christianity. I mean, so I, I'm assuming both your parents were saved. Um, do you know at, at like as children or, or adults or how did that happen? So my dad was actually saved from my mother. So my mother actually brought my dad to Christ. Okay. Um, they were never married. They never cohabitated. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. I did not so know they, that. Yeah. So they were never together in the sense there was never um, a, a home uh, with the two of them. It was my dad's home or my mom's home. Okay. And did you go back and forth? Yeah. So there's a couple of years. What was it uh, kindergarten? I think kindergarten and first grade. I lived with my dad. Um, and then pretty much the rest of it, I was living with my mom. And then I moved to Northern California, um, when I was eight or right before I was 18, or I'm sorry, I lived in Northern California. I moved down to Southern California and I've been down here since I was uh, 18. Okay. And my dad's down here. My mom is now also down here too. And when did, uh, when did little Joshy uh, go off the rails? So <clears throat> I was getting in trouble with the law at 15. I actually moved back down to Southern California because I was standing in front of a judge and I told the judge I wasn't going to go home and live with my mom anymore. Too much control, too much, just, just things. And so she's like, well, you're still a minor. You got to go somewhere. I said, can I call my dad? He's out in LA. Uh, she's like, yeah. She's what's his phone number. She called him right there. She asked him right there. Would you take your son? He'll be 18. And in, in I think a month and a half. And he's like, yeah, of course. So uh, I moved down to, um, LA and was this like typical high school rebellion kind of stuff like just out partying and, and driving and kicking over trash cans or was it uh, deeper so it was really just I wanted to just do my thing um, I it was it was normal stuff but I wanted freedom so bad that uh, I went and jacked a car okay Okay. And, and how so did you mom that you were like, yeah, I'm not going back there. Um, I think, she, I think at that point she understood and oh. I, I might even have been relieved. Okay. Um, you know, she did, she did, she did the best that she knew how to do, but, um, you know, she came from a, a very, very, uh, abusive home. And so, you know, she, you, she worked with what she had. That understanding what, what led you there? How old were you when you thought, okay, yeah, mom, doesn't suck. She was, she was, I mean, it, it wasn't great, but, but she was doing what she could do. When did, how did you get to that realization? I actually never thought mom sucked. It was mom has a very unique set of um, proclivities, I guess. Um, she was, she's a very, very unique 
very um, emotionally intelligent woman. So she, she emotions guide her and I'm not that way. Um, I'm like, okay, well, let's, 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 let's work this out. Let's, okay, well, what's the logical conclusion of this action or that action or, you know, so I always knew that, you know, she, especially when you'd see the rest of the family and you'd see the way that they'd respond to certain things, it was, you know, okay, well, you know, I always understood that, you know, she was working with what she had. I didn't like it, you know, cause I wanted to, you know, grow up and learn how to be an adult and be a man with, you know, no man at home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did you do any sort of juvenile detention at all for that? Or was it a catch and release and sent your dad? No. So they, I think it was, I think they gave me 30 days. And then at the end of 30 days, there was, I don't know, some stipulation where you could get out. And if you didn't, if you stayed out of trouble for so long, then it would go, it would go away. Okay. How did that um, feel to you? Was that a, a shock? Did it, did it wake you up or it was like uh, just something you got through? Well, so when I, when I came down to LA, I was, I mean, like I said, in high school, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke. I didn't, I didn't do any of those things. So I didn't really have bad influences when I came down here. I just kind of just fumbled through trying to, you know, get it together. Like I said, staying with my dad and, you know, he didn't have a whole lot going on as far as work prospects. So it was, you know, any job that I could find was working at a gym or Best Buy or, you know, whatever. Um, and then I got in the car business and, you know, didn't get in trouble. Um, it wasn't until I got in a motorcycle accident, um, some years later. And, um, uh, I had a doctor who was uh, pretty liberal with his prescriptions, mm-hmm. uh, that turned into, well, I can get this other thing on the street for cheaper. And then that turned into, you know, meeting this person and meeting that person. And then, you know, then you start drinking and you start doing more things and then your judgment slips. And, and then I find myself, you know, in a, uh, altercation with somebody under the influence. And, uh, that uh, resulted in my incarceration. Yeah. And, and how old were you at that point? Uh, 30, 30. Okay. So, um, and obviously at that point you're on your own, uh, yeah. Not still living with dad at that point. You're, you're no. Dad. So I would say I was with my dad for a couple years and it, it quickly turned into, um, me taking care of him. So then it was now I'm looking after dad. Ah, Okay. So uh, when you got yourself incarcerated, what was, I I mean, I remember because I came from, I was straight and narrow. And, and so when I getting arrested was a a big deal, Uh, sitting in a holding tank waiting to get bailed out was a big deal. Uh, And then when I finally went to sentencing and I, you know, walked from the audience part of the court past the judge's desk into the back hallway there and now i'm in custody and sitting in a, a you know cell there in, in bakersfield it's like i remember I, I said it out loud and i was the only one in the, the thing i was like paul pippen what have you gotten yourself into and it was just a whole my world was spinning because i just no one in my family had ever done that to my knowledge what was it like 
for you when you uh, knew you were going to be doing big boy time and, and not just, you know, a month or whatever. And, and I hate to say just a month, but you know, before you've done any time, a month sounds like a long time after you've done time, it's like, okay, it's just a month. I, that's not a big deal. Um, what was it like when you, when you looked at the stretch you were going to do now? So the, the, the heaviest part for me, actually going back like to the case was I didn't understand how the person that I had gotten into it with got hurt so badly. And when my attorney told me that I, I was, if, if there was ever a point in this whole situation where I was like in shock, that was the, probably the closest point. Um, everything after that, it was, it was really strange. So I was fighting a double life case um, because of the way that weapons charges stack and the way that, that I was charged um, and how this person was hurt. Um, it was 53 years to life without. Mm. So after 50, if I would have, you know, if I would have not beaten any of the charges, it would have been 53 years. And after 53 years, I still would probably not have been eligible for parole. So, you know, fighting that case, I was kind of like, eh, there, there's no way, there's no way the guy's not dead. You know, uh, there's all of these mitigating factors. Um, and at the time I couldn't prove these things. So I, you know, borrowed tons of money to prove everything from, you know, fluid dynamics, toxicology, uh, uh, all of the, the different experts to, to anyway, and that started to come together. And so then the DA started realizing that, okay, so they offered me nine years and I told them, no, I was going to take it all the way to the box. And then some things changed, um, changed the charges and stuff that made it a lot harder. So I ended up taking the deal um, for nine years at uh, 80 at 85%. Change charges, was that DA change charges or new statutes coming in that added different uh, enhanced no. stuff? No, they, they uh, it was from from my take, it was a, a tactical decision to make a small variation, but that variation makes a big deal on um, your ability to defend uh, because right. you have to affirm a defense versus um, they have to prove it. So the burden of proof changes with, the, with that slight... Uh, Gotcha. Change. Okay. So they basically twisted around and, and, and you took a deal and now you're going in. Yep. But so I remember I, looking at the evidence when I, my attorney was showing me some of some of the evidence and I and I looked at it and I said, it's so you have a situation and, and you're there. So you have your, if you will, perspective. But then you look at all this evidence and the pictures they take in the daytime. And, and I looked at it and I said, I'm going to prison. Yeah. But I was never, I was never scared because it was, it was really strange. Um, I've never, or I've rarely felt God's grace like I did during that time. Is it during the time of your court case or. Uh, yeah. Fighting my case. So I fought my case for almost two years. So I was, you know, had this over my head for almost two years and I just had an just absolute, just overriding piece about it. Wow. And that's probably cause God, you know, loved us so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that's a, uh, that's a, it's a good way to put it. That's, that's yeah. That's my good corny lead into our song of the week. I was asked the, the guest to pick a song of the week and, and Josh uh, chose one. And um, this is one we did. We did it a couple of years ago. Um, but um, I thought, you know what? I've been waiting to talk to Josh for a long time. And uh, 
This is a song that Joshua picked, uh, and it is uh, God So Loved by We the Kingdom. So we're going to give you 90 seconds of that. We'll be back to uh, take this mess, turn it into a message, as well as to uh, break down some thoughts that uh, Joshua has on this song. So we'll see you after 90 seconds of We the Kingdom. Of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Hey, so there you go. We the Kingdom, and uh, I just I, I dig those uh, their sound. Uh, it's pretty good sound. What what made you pick that song, Joshua? Um, I, I I so there's there's certain songs, the worship songs that are they sound good, they have a vibe, but not everybody might understand or or um, be able to relate to the gravity of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the I like the operative words in this song because it goes back to you know the, the John three sixteens you know, type, uh, type verses and stuff, but the operative words are, you know, like come and it's come all they are, uh, the, you know, the first two, you know, stanzas is come all you are weary, come, you are thirsty, come to the well. It's telling you where to go. Um, you know, you go down and it, it explains more and it's just, you know, bring all your failures, bring all your addictions and come and lay them down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got good, simple instruction. Uh, for what to do, which, I mean, simple instruction is good, but sometimes simple instruction, like, ah, it can't be that easy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who goes to a garage sale and I will find, you know, a, a, a $3,000 camera for, you know, $200. I'm like, there must be a, something wrong with it. I don't want it now. You know, it's like, it's too good. Of yeah. it. Um, and, and, and the, the bargain with Christ is is way too good to be true you know it's too simple to be true because i mean you don't get my complex life you don't get the problems i've gone through you don't get the 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 trouble i've caused so it can't be as simple as accept me as your lord and savior and i'll take care of the rest there's there's always a catch i mean you know that from being inside there's always a catch nobody's doing you a favor because they're nice you know there's there's somebody's running a game and so trying to figure out what Christ's game was is, is is a thing i think that holds a lot of people up but it's just yeah. you know he loved us you know and, and 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 like you said there you know bring all of your failures that's the part of love is all of it you know we we bring it all it's not like bring some of it um 
I think about going on a first date and like, okay, you know, I, I you know, do your hair and, and you're cleaned up and, and, you know, you're looking nice. You might look in the mirror to check. And, and now, you know, I come home and I've been married for close to 30 years and I put on some sweats and sit on the couch with my hair a mess and eating chips. And I got, you know, food dust all over my fat belly. And, you know, it's not, I, I, I don't bring all that on the first date, but it's still there, you know, and, and Christ, Christ is cool with the, with the sweats and the potato chips on your belly. Um, and that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, it reminds me of uh, something that, that you and I had, you know, we would talk about in, in CRI, uh, Celebrate Recovery Inside. Uh, you know, guys would say, they would say exactly that. Well, it, it, it can't be that simple. Or when we would talk about, you know, praying or, or, or supplication, and they would say, well, I don't know how to pray or know what to pray for. And it's like, well, that's where you bring all of your weird. You bring all of that. That's yeah. if you don't know how to pray, that's exactly what you pray for. Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know yeah. what to give you. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, I always tell people, just start by saying thank you. Yep. You know, just, hey, thanks for this. And if you can't find anything to be thankful for, you're drawing breath. You're having a conversation with God. Um, that's, that's the thing to be thankful for. I mean, I get geeked when I get to talk to, you know, uh, a musician or an athlete or something like that. You know, if, uh, if I was going to meet, you know, the I don't know, prime minister of Norway, I'd be excited because like, I don't even know if that's what they have, but it's like, okay, you're a person that's in a position of authority and power. It's, it's, it's exciting to meet someone like that. And, you know, God is the prime minister of the world. You know, he gets to, he, he does have the universe and, and we get to have that conversation with him all the time. Um, it's something that I use to, uh, or, or I should say that, that I used to use because it's easy to get complacent. Uh, you know, we all do it. Um, when no, I'm I don't. For- Tell me about that, Josh. I'm never complacent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, so it's one of the things that the guys would say, well, what do you pray for when like they'd see you in the chow hall and you'd bow your head, you know, for 10 seconds or whatever. Uh, well, what are you, what are you thankful for? How are you thankful, you know, for prison food? How are you thankful for those things? And that question kind of stuck with me. So I, I started researching reasons that I could be more thankful and have, you know, more to talk about. So one of the things that I, I, I say thanks for because that keeps your heart soft is the tastiness of the food. We, we often look at it as just sustenance. Well, thank you for feeding me. Well, thank you for feeding me things that I can actually stomach. There are plenty of places that they don't give you food. That's very palatable. Um, there, you know, there's, there's prisons that are so crowded. You have to join a gang just to push people over enough to lay down. It's so crowded. They're called standing only prisons. So it can always be worse. And I know that's very cliche, but um, if you no, keep that on the front of your mind when you pray, um, it will keep you thankful. It'll keep you in that space. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you don't think it can get worse, stop thinking that way. Because, you know, I mean, I, I remember when I was inside, I watched, I'm sitting in the day room and a guy goes over to the phone and I see him walk over the phone and he's got, you know, just sort of an average uh demeanor about him and he gets off the phone and you could see it was not a good phone call he didn't slam the phone he was just like shoulder slumped body language is just down and like ah dude what's up he said uh you know i was talking to home and my uh 
my grandmother died. I was like, oh, that really sucks. Next day he gets off the phone and his girl had given birth to twins and one of them died in childbirth. I'm like, dude, it can always, I always remember it. It can always get worse. You know, there's just, there's no end to what the world can bring to us to make it, uh, to make it be worse. So, yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, talking about music with, with Joshua, that was one of the, I mean, we, we met at my, my first day, in the institution where I was working, Joshua was one of the first people I met and was in my first uh, CR Inside group. So of all the inmates that I know, Joshua was probably the one that I know the best. And um, one of the things we did was a lot of music. Joshua, a very talented guitar player. And, and that's one of the bummers about him getting out. I was like, okay, I've got to figure out uh, my guitar game, get someone else on the inside. I know God will, you know, prepare the way for us, but, you know, I got a ukulele when I was in Hawaii so I can bring in, you know, ukulele and, and learn some chords so I can do it uh, and, and have a little bit of music. But, you know, when Joshua and Ira were playing, we were Jira, like Jehovah Jira. That was our, our thing. You know? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I left my guitar, I left my guitar with the chaplain. So uh, when you go talk to him, ask him who got my guitar and uh, tell him, Hey, you know, oh, the nice. Lord gave it to Joshua. Joshua gave it to the chaplain. So um, you've been hired. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hillsong Incarcerated uh, rides again. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyhow, uh, Joshua, it's easy to talk about, you know, the bad old days. And it's it's easy, especially, you know, go to any recovery meeting or, or convention and you'll hear people telling war stories. So let's get away from the war stories. Let's talk about what's the message from all of this mess that uh, has become of your life, what's going on with you now and, and how did things change? Well, so I very, uh, even in reception, which is the, the beginning part as you're getting processed as to, you know, where they're going to send you and all that and house you. Uh, I made a commitment that I was going to do the things that I knew I should have been doing, uh, you know, seeing other guys graduate from college. I'm like, man, I was just hanging out with that guy. Now he went to, he's like graduated from college and I just, you know, I did so poorly in high school. I didn't think I could do it. Long story short, uh, I got into a, uh, the, one of the, the college program inside. Um, it was a face-to-face. -face, so it was actual like lecture. And um, I turned out to really enjoy it and took a hold of that for everything that, that I could um, and got phenomenal grades. And I'm just um, transferring now to university. Um, I've gotten into some, some actually some great schools. So we're going to see how that, that change in your academic uh, capacity to age, maturity, the situation, what, what, what made it, because the you that I know, I would have never guessed that you got a GED. I, I would have thought, okay, this is a guy that already has gotten at least one undergraduate degree because you're like bookworm. You are, you devour knowledge no that so that developed um so to, to answer your question it was god who used those things that you've listed to his glory okay so all of those things that that i was i guess you could say had an aptitude for because i was finally paying attention and because my focus was correct and putting putting god first I was seeing the way that God was opening doors and putting things in front of me and challenging me and making me better. Celebrating recovery is a perfect example. I don't like public speaking. I don't like getting up there. I'm not a good lecturer. Now, if it's just you and me and you want to 
talk about the finer points of sub, sub, you know transubstantiation or some theological point, and yeah, we can maybe get into that. But to articulate it in in a lecture format is just it's not my thing. But I was challenged to do that, and I grew a lot as a result. So when you see God moving in your life, you're so honored by it that you respect it more. You don't take it for granted. You're you're thankful in your prayers, and so you know I took that and. Um, you know, I just got into uh, Pepperdine University, which is, you know, pretty prestigious school. Yeah. Uh, don't don't know how I'm going to pay for it yet. But um, as Ira always says, you know, God's will, God's bill. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that uh, how that goes. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll write a book from prison to Pepperdine. There you go. Oh, I like that. PP. Hey, so, and, you know, when I think of this, you talk about the situation making it so you can do that. And, and there's like really the chances of me doing prison ministry. And right now, as I'm sitting in my office, I'm looking at my, my paper on the wall, my, my ministry license. I'm a licensed minister for prison <clears throat> ministry. And it's, that would not have happened if I hadn't done the horrible things that I did that required me to spend some time with uh, state employees. And you look at that and say, well, how can losing your career, losing all your credibility, losing most of your friends, alienating family, how can that be a good thing? How can you be thankful for that? And, you know, First Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances for it's God's will to you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's how you can be thankful because it brings about when we allow it, when we allow the circumstance and we look for what's good in this. And because, because not everybody does that. I mean, there are a lot of people who find Christ because they went to jail and they're looking for a, a you know, escape pod. And, you know, sometimes you can have guys who are, you know, on fire inside and then they get outside and same old thing, you know, they're back the next week. Um, but if you allow that circumstance to be the manure that you plant the seeds in and let it get nutrients to your baby plant, you can grow a strong tree out of that, that thing. And I, and I think that's, you know, when I look at you, Joshua, I, I, that's what I see. I see uh, a tree that found its way through the manure of, of the mistakes that you had made. Something that I like uh, that, that I, that I've, I haven't said in a long time, but the way I, I kind of sum it up is if God in his goodness allows you to go through a bad thing and that bad thing in the end brings you to God's goodness, then is it not in the end, a good thing? Right. Right. Well, and I think about, um, you know, Job and, and, you know, I don't want to get too far down in a, uh, uh, theological debate, but, you know, you, I think about consider, you know, Job and that whole um, debate that goes on. And, and, you know, Job was tested and it was allowed by God to happen um, that way. And I, I, I don't think that God, you know, sends the devil to test me. I don't think that God says, let's make some bad stuff happen to Paul to see what happens. But I do think when my free will puts me in a place 
that I've made some stupid choices, God has a path to redemption for me. And he's, he understands what it will take to get me there. And it's not like, oh, that one was too big. I, I have not been able to confuse God and make him think there's no way I can get Paul out of this. And, and nobody has, because that's the job of Christ is to, to fix those things. He's, you know, the whiteout for our soul. And uh, he, or, or bleach more, I guess bleach changes the color, whiteout just blots it. Um, but God, God knows that we're going to be able to get through it. And, and it's not that he wanted Joshua to sit in the jail. Um, and that was, you know, you know, like when Joshua was born, I was like, here, I got a plan for this little guy. We're going to make him do some really bad stuff to someone and then have to go to jail and prison. And, but that's where Josh's, your life led you. That's where my life led me. And God still found a way. I mean, God built me to teach. I messed it up, but he still found a way to make me a teacher, but doing it in the prisons, which I actually love more than I loved teaching in the schools. And, um, God is just that good, you know, for he loved us, you know, so much that he, he did that and, and we're able to make it through those things. Yeah. He, um, so there's something I've been thinking about, obviously uh, mentioned, you know, transferring these schools and uh, I got access to some, some really good schools, um, some far more expensive than the others. <laughs> and so I'm asking myself, all right, Lord, should I try to maybe take out loans? You know, I've been praying about it. You know, what should I do? I, you know, I, again, this is just my undergrad and, I, I'm not anyway, I'm not get into that. But so the the feeling that I'm getting, the the resonation, uh, the conviction is God has opened up all these doors because they are all going to be good, but there's ones that are better than others. If I say go to the school that I'm not having peace about going to, which is Pepperdine, I want to go to that school um, for the prestige, but I'm just not having peace or getting peace yet about it, is Lord saying, you know, hey, I opened this door for you. You can go, but I have an easier way. I'm going to be with you either way. But your free will is going to allow you to learn the lessons that I'm ultimately going to teach you. So that that free will is is really important because a lot of people like to blame God. Why can you let this happen and let that happen? And it's, no, he's going to be there for us. You've just decided to maybe take a a harder uh, workload and lesson course. Yeah. Yeah. There's seven and a half billion people with free will roaming around the planet. We're going to bump into each other. And sometimes we're not going to be in agreement and your free will might come at my free will. A lot. I mean, I was at a concert the other night and I'm down there uh, in the mosh pit and I'm looking at one person and a guy comes from behind and just clobbered me. His free will beat my free will. I did not. My, my will was not to wind up on the floor or slamming into other people. But that guy's will was stronger than mine, and and it just happened. Um, so you know those kind of things will happen. And and let me just say, Joshua, I was able to parlay a, a beautiful education at Cal State Fullerton into the social media empire that you you know see before you now. So just know that that's an avenue that's open to you, and you know it, it's got strong bona fides. Um, Man, that's quiet. <laughs> it looked like you're. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at you. It looked like you're. You're still going. Oh, no, as I said, I, I want to give never... you plenty of time to uh, sell your alma mater. <laughs> that's, that's all I got, man. <laughs> Kevin Costner went there. Uh, so, really? uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, what's next for Joshua then? You, you've, you've gotten yourself out. What are you doing now? Trying to, trying to figure out what, uh, what school is going to go, you know, what school I'm going to get into that will set me up for, uh, for graduate school. Um, I'd like to uh, end up in law school, uh, study political science undergrad, and, um, you know, start leaning into the, the political realm. I think we need more principled Christian leaders, um, you know, with, you know, with their hand on the uh, levers of power. All right. All right. And, and, and what um, are, are you looking at? Like, are you a guy that's like, well, you know, you got to have the local leaders uh, to do it. Are you looking higher and, and, and going more, you know, statewide nationwide kind of um, chain? Or is it I, no? I, I don't know. I, I would think that it would be um, bigger, but I think starting locally, uh, you know, even if it's, you know, really, really small local elected things, um, but just trying to learn, you know, because when I went into prison, I was absolutely oblivious to politics. Um, and it wasn't until um, probably 2017, 2018, I started learning about it. So I'm still, you know, very new and playing a lot of catch up. So I think, uh, you know, law school will open my eyes a little bit, you know, studying political science and then kind of, you know, letting the Lord, you know, use that to kind of find a trajectory. Amen, amen, amen. And where can people find you if they're looking? I mean, something that we haven't even touched on and we don't have time. Uh, Joshua has an incredible eye uh, for photography. His, his, his photograph uh, portfolio just blows my brains uh, every time I see it. Thank you. That's, that's awesome stuff. And I, I was thinking about it today that it, taking a picture is not a big deal. We're all walking around with a phone that's got an incredible camera on it. So we can go and capture a moment. But capturing a moment is not art. Uh, the art is in the presentation of it. And uh, you're an insane artist. Um, and so where can people see your stuff? How can they get a hold of you? If they need some photography work. What's, what's uh, a good way to get a hold of Joshua? Uh, you, can, you can contact me directly. Uh, my direct line is uh, 310. 7142113. Um, or if you want to look at some of my work, um, you could also reach me on my Instagram. Um, it's just uh, Joshua Wilson Photos. All right, cool. And, and no, no uh, uh, hyphens or underscores or anything like that. Just all no, Yeah, just Joshua Wilson Photos should be able to uh, be able to find me. Nice, Joshua. This has been like you know uh, a. a, a three-year dream uh, come true. So <laughs> I'm super, super uh, geeked about this. Well, sorry, I didn't uh, get, you know, get, get with you sooner and, and hey, get on here. We'll do it you again know, We did it the right way because if, if we would have done it sooner and, 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 you know, while the state still owned you, then uh, that would put a big, uh, big kibosh on, on most of my ministry. Um, so, uh, so I'm glad we waited. It was worth the wait. Uh, listen, if you want to get a hold of me, it's uh, bowtie guy at messituppodcast.com. You can check us out on the, uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and uh, all the other internet uh, type places. Do check us out on Reddit at messed up ministries uh, subreddit. Uh, if you want to financially support the ministry, uh, we are fixing to get into the prisons here. Uh, I was just talking to my prison fellowship guy today. And it is uh, very, very soon. Maybe even by the time this show comes out, we might be in there. Uh, but uh, gas is still expensive. And uh, your, uh, your generous donations help to fund people like Bev and myself getting in there through uh, Messed Up Ministries to go and serve in the, uh, the prisons. 
in and around California. Uh, so that's uh, messituppodcast.com. Click on the become a patron button or mums the word, text the word mum to 760-WALLS-CA and send me back to prison. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who would love to do that. Joshua, thank you for your time. Uh, God you. bless you in your, uh, your, your ventures in school. And um, we'll see you next time we mess it up. Sounds good. Can't wait. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. All right, and I got to pull up my screen here. And I got to remember to set my timer. Okay, there we go. Boom.